This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Hey, business storytellers, it's Christoph Trapp, your host and author of Content Performance Culture. Thanks for joining us again for another episode of the Business Storytelling Podcast. Today, I want to talk about branding. And what's interesting about branding is everybody and everybody talks about uh, how do we build a brand, but there is a big debate out in the marketing world. I see it all the time. Do we need branding or should we just focus on lead generation? What's more important? Um, Or is it just another debate that's not necessary to have? So today's guest uh, joining me on the show is Lori Cohen. She is a marketing executive with bluesky.branding.com. And she certainly shares her opinion on that topic over on uh, LinkedIn um, here and there. Lori, how's it going today? Thanks so much, Christoph, for having me. I'm really happy to be here to talk about a subject that's near and dear to my heart and my work. Yeah, it's it's really great to have you on the show. Of course, um, I don't remember the exact post that caught my eye, but I always love having guests and find them when they're saying things that I think are worth sharing on here as well. So let's talk about um, how brand actually drives demand. And I mean, when I say... There is a little bit of a debate going on out there. I mean, I'm not making that up, right? You've heard that as well. Oh, no, I think it, I think it's constant. And you really see it when you're, uh, when you're talking to companies, right? And when they're actually hiring senior marketing executives, right? The, the headline is, we need somebody for demand generation, right? We're not interested in a background in brand. And... To me, I always find that so fascinating because what happens is if you don't pay attention to your brand, and we should maybe step back and say what a brand is, what happens is you can certainly grow. You can grow really, really fast for a while, but after a point, you hit a wall because if you're not building your brand and your customers can't relate to you, and relate to your business and understand what you stand for, at a certain time, you're going to hit a wall. You're going to hit a wall and you're going to pay more for the leads that you do get. And a lot of the leads are not going to turn into pipeline for you. And that's what I mean by a strong brand can drive demand. If you build your brand, you understand who your customer is. You understand who you want to talk to. And then you understand the language and the places you should go to reach them. So it's not spray and pray. It's really strategic, but it comes from really understanding who you are as a company and what your brand represents. So, you know, when you, when I just listened to you, I, I, I think it was the ad contrarian. So if you guys Googled him ad contrarian blog who shared the story and he said something about, uh, you turn into this little town as you're driving uh, on a trip 
and there is a McDonald's and there is a local hamburger shop and you would like a hamburger, where are you going to go? And most people will probably go to McDonald's. They know the brand. They know what it stands for. Um, they know what they're going to get. Uh, the hamburger might not be as good as the local places hamburger um, or, you know, who knows? We don't know, but we know what we're going to get. We know the brand. We know what it stands for. And uh, there's no surprises. Um, so, I mean, there is value in people knowing what your brand stands for, right? I mean, you, no disagreement, I assume. Oh, no, I totally agree with that. And I think that's oftentimes the hardest thing to do, particularly for B2B, for B2C companies, we understand the value of brand, right? You know, Apple, Under Armour, Nike, right? They invest like frankly, millions and millions of dollars in building their brand and building that emotional connection between you and them, right? Um, when it comes to B2B companies, many companies are focused on the bits and the bytes that they sell and the features and the functionality. And that's what they try to go to market with. And what I argue and what I believe is that that's not how decisions are made. It's important in the buyer's journey for sure. But tell me the big stuff, right? Make an emotional connection with me so I understand where you're coming from and the values that you espouse. You know, um, someone said, um, you know, marketing should matter, right? At this time, right? Don't just, ju just don't, don't market to people matter to people. And I think that's truer now, given the whole COVID situation that we're all dealing with, whether it's for a short or long term, we don't know. But to me, that's the critical thing, matter to people. And that's what the brand can help you do. So yeah, what's interesting, so of course, we talked, uh, Ashley Pointer was on the show, uh, episode 188, I think, right around there. And we talked about emotion and B2B marketing, right? Well, don't just be about the features, uh, what you just mentioned. Don't just tell me about why your printer is better. Uh, you know, show me what can happen um, if I don't have the latest security or latest safety features. Um, so certainly that's, uh, that's a topic we've talked about before. But how about, and this has happened to me, Lori, um, I'm very familiar with a brand and I think they're a thought leader in their field. And so I reach out to test their product and their brand is great. And I, I think they're out there and I think they're, they're doing a nice job getting in front of people. But then I dive in and I look at their product and I think, what a bunch of crap. It's terrible. The <laughs> features, they're just bad. It's like, who designed this? Did my six-year-old design this uh, on the back of a napkin at a restaurant? Uh, you know, this doesn't work. That doesn't work. Uh, content strategists don't even do this. Who came up with this? I mean, for now I'm almost giving away who it is. We're not going to do that. Um, but how does that play together? You, you have a big brand out there or, you know, or what I mean is you have a brand out there that people relate to and that people know about. And then you turn around and you try the product and it's terrible. Yeah. So, so I think that's product market fit, right? So when, when a company is firing on all cylinders, they don't only understand what their brand is. Because for so many of us, like you just spoke about, most of what we're buying in the B2B world is software, right? 
So at the end of the day, the experience is the brand, right? So I might have, I might understand, you know, who I am as a company. I might have, fig- I might have done the why exercise uh, that Simon Sinek talks about, right? I might have all of that right. But at the end of the day, if the experience doesn't match the brand, you're just as, you're in trouble, right? You're going to hit a wall there. And marketing can't fix that. To me, that's the product market fit. And companies that really are able to supercharge their brand, they're really working in consonant with not only marketing, product, customer experience, and sales, right? They're all on the same team. They're all on the go-to-market team. And they're not presenting something to the market that's, you know, not true, right? You can't say, I'm an innovative company. And then you try to use the product. And like you said, it's broken in so many different places, right? Then there's a disconnect between what you're saying as a brand and what the experience of the brand is. You don't grow with that either. Yeah, I do have to say this. There, There is, I think, a little bit of an expectation out there from people that software tools need to be perfect, right? Uh, especially out of the box tools. Uh, and my recommendation is if you want something that's perfect to exactly what you need, hire a developer, build it yourself. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, I wouldn't like, I want to drive the um, custom for Ferrari and I I'm, I only want to pay for the uh, GMC uh, two door, you yeah, know, yeah. for example. I don't know if GMC has two doors, but um, so how do you... Uh, kind of walk us through it. How, how do people get started? How do they build a brand? What, what should companies do? And then how does that lead to, um, how does that drive demand down the road? Okay, so that's a great question. Well, the first thing I think we have to agree with is that branding is a mindset. It's not a campaign, right? So it's not a campaign slogan. It's really a mindset for the company. And the best brands are maniacally focused on their customer and they speak the language of the customer. And, you know, as I said before, they find the why, the why, and then they tell great stories to build an, an emotional connection with their audience. Um, and at the end of the day for a SaaS company, the experience turns out to be the brand. So how do you do that? You, you really do that by understanding your customer, number one. So it's all that kind of customer research that you have to do you have to talk to customers. Um, when I was running marketing for a B2B company, um, as the CMO, I was uh, pre-COVID. I would go to all the big trade shows and I was in front of the booth, demoing our product, talking to customers. You can't build like great marketing messages in an office. You have to get there and interact with your customers and really understand how do they use your product? You know, um, how do they want to use your product? And once you understand that, you can begin taking those insights and then distill it into materials, whether it's customer testimonials. Um, That's a proof point, right? That can be an emotional connection between a, a customer who comes to your site or a potential customer and existing customers. And many people are doing that really successfully with video these days. And they can be really rough. You could do it with Zoom because really what you want is you want the unvarnished voice of the customer. Um, And you want to celebrate customers. 
I think some of the best companies, even B2B companies, they celebrate their employees and they celebrate their customers. And I think once you do that, you're helping to build that glue between what you stand for and the prospects that are coming to your website. And they're, they're understanding it, not again about the bits and the bytes. That will happen, right? But they're understanding it from an emotional level. They can relate to you. They can relate to what you're saying. Then they're going to dig deeper. Then they're going to download a white paper or listen to a podcast or read a blog, right? And eventually they're going to talk to your BDR, your SDR, or a salesperson. But what got them in the door is the is understanding the brand. And to me, that's the difference. Because you can drive people, as I said before, you could throw a lot of money at Google AdWords. You could put more salespeople or SDRs to do cold calling. But if you don't have an essence, it's hard really to begin overcoming objections and penetrating with the people you're trying to connect with. So I feel that it's better to focus on who your actual customers are and then speak to them, speak to them in a language that they understand. You know, and what's interesting about, uh, well, lots of things are interesting about that, uh, those comments, but one thing that stands out is uh, talk about the customer. And I, I'm glad you didn't say make the customer the hero. I, I never quite understood what people are talking about when they say that. And uh, JJ Peterson, of course, he was on the show back then. We didn't publish the episode numbers, but March 25th, 2020, Marketing Made Simple with JJ Peterson. If you want to go back and listen to that. And basically what he said is you always have to talk about the problem that you are solving through for the customer. And then, of course, what better way to, to do that than sharing a customer story? Right? Mm. Same, mm-hmm. same thing, kind of what you're talking about. Exactly. So, so, you know, what I would say, without a strong brand, you can't charge a premium. Without a strong brand, your customers can't differentiate you from your closest competitor. And your customers won't be advocates for your brand. But when you do have a strong brand, all those things happen, right? You charge a premium. Your customers can totally differentiate. Like you said, you did the, you did the McDonald's in the local you know, hamburger joint, right? Everybody knows McDonald's, two beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, uh, on a sesame seed bun. Am I close? <laughs> I right? Haven't know. heard it for a long time, but that yeah. idea, right? I mean, I may not think the hamburger's great, but, right, I know what I'm going to get. Um, right. So yep. I, think that's it, the di- I think that's the difference, right? Um and as, and as a consumer, like I'm a consumer, whether I am a chief technology officer, a CIO, a chief strategy officer, a chief marketing officer, right? In the morning when I put on my sweatpants or my leggings, one, you know, leg at a time, I'm still a consumer at heart. And so it often baffles me when I go into my office and I power up my computer why I'm being marketed to like a business person with specific language, right? Versus a consumer that I was when I took that walk, you know, 20 feet from my bedroom to my office. 
It's funny because we, uh, I don't think I've worn a suit since maybe <laughs> January and I, I haven't worn a pair of jeans. I think I've been in sweatpants and shorts for the last, whatever that's been eight months and, uh, or nine months. And I saw somebody in a suit the other day, Lori, and I thought, oh, look, a guy in a suit. Amazing. And, uh, you know, I hadn't seen anybody dress up or anything in a long time, but that's, that's the new world we're in. Uh, why do you think that, so campaign versus mindset, I've noticed that too. And I think it drives some people crazy when I talk about it. So for example, you know, I preach, hey, here's kind of the goal. Here's what we're trying to do. And here's how we're going to do that. Here's the activities. Yes, you still need to create content. Yes, you still need to uh, run campaigns, so to speak. Like if I'm running a, a, an ad, that's ultimately a campaign, right? But mm -hmm. But I think a lot of uh, um, executives, I guess, or leaders, they take it too far. They think, oh, how is the content campaign going? How is everything is a campaign? Like there's no such thing as this is how we do it and we need to push forward. Um, and, you know, we just keep going. And it's, it's, it's overnight success doesn't happen overnight, as they say. Why, why do you think that is such a thing? Yep. People are so hung up on campaigns. Yep. So I think that's a great question, Christoph. And I think the issue is what digital marketing has done is it's made us believe that we can measure everything. And so that's what we do, right? We measure everything. But I don't, I, I, and, and so that's why some people, I think, also say, oh, well, I want somebody to lead my company in marketing. That's lead generation, right? Because they're going to look at those numbers. Um, however, I don't think, you know, there's the expression one plus one equals three. I believe when you do marketing right, you use lots and lots of different channels and you have to take it all together. You have to look at it all together. You have to be analytic. You can't just pull out one thing and think, oh, that channel was performing poorly. I'm going to nix it. Because we know as uh, consumers of anything, B2B, B2C, it takes like about 19 touches for you to take action, right? And those 19 touches are going to happen over different channels, not just one channel. And I think it's important for us to remember that. You know, I don't know if you know the story about AOL, way back when, when AOL started, do you know how many discs it took for a customer to take action? You know, those little red packages they would send out in the mail? <laughs> yep. Right? Yeah. How many? <laughs> I think it was about 27. Okay. I might be off by one or two, but I'm not kidding. So can you imagine if the CEO of AOL said, stop sending out those red discs, direct mail doesn't work anymore. Right? So I think when we look at campaigns, we, we, we really want to strip them apart, right? Because we don't want to spend in the wrong channel. But my feeling is you need to spend in many channels because your customers are coming to you in many different ways, right? And the last touch isn't the only touch. And that's what we typically measure, right? It's a if somebody clicks right onto your website, you think, oh, that's direct traffic to your website. But is it really? What were all those other things that they were doing before they clicked onto your website? Well, and sometimes we don't know. Sometimes we don't know what they were doing or where they were, uh, what they were looking at or clicking on or, or whatnot. It's funny you mentioned direct mail. So we actually 
uh, December 2019 here, uh, we did a show on direct mail. Um, well, that's not the right one. That's actually a good one to listen to as well. But April, uh, the one in December is should direct mail really get the credit for this conversion? Because, you know, that was the last step. Uh -huh. um, but it would have gotten, I mean, had I gotten an ad, the ad would have gotten the click. But then the other thing I was going to mention here is uh, Eric Van Kirkhove and myself, we did a show on in April, on April 16th, 2020, how businesses can maximize direct mail. So you kind of need to do all of them, right? To exactly. Stay in front of people. Uh, well, that's and, what I think. Yeah, I do too. But how? But how do we get that across? How do how do how do people? How, how do we get people to understand that it's not like a one and done kind of thing as an ongoing campaign? And you know, you, you got to spend money to make money, right? No, exactly. So I think the first thing you have to you have to believe is there is no such thing as a silver bullet, right? Because that's what a lot of people are looking for, right? They want that silver bullet. And then I think you have to decide what you're going to measure, right? So share a voice, qualified pipeline. You know you can drive people to a website. Easy, right? You can. You can spend a lot of money doing that. But what's converting? And then can you put the right tools in place to understand the real customer journey, so can you begin to understand what they were doing before they got to your website, right? So when you measure, let's say you have a great PR piece, right? And you can see that you have a big uptick on, in your online traffic. Then can you follow some of that increase to different assets on your site? Can you put in software that really measures intent even before somebody does something to download an asset? There's so much good technology out there that can help reinforce the message. It can't just be, let's look at this channel. What's the cost per lead? What's the cost of conversion, et cetera? Because then you're not actually taking the customer journey into account and you're not actually taking those leads and seeing where they are in your pipeline and where are they going to end up? Are they going to end up converting or were they just really first touches? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what's interesting, too, is uh, sometimes, I mean, as you mentioned, it does take time. I'm just I'm thinking about um, an email cadence that I've been running. And, you know, on the third touch, uh, the open rate is 70 percent. Uh, now, I don't know how many converted, but at the end of the day, they wouldn't open it if there wasn't some kind of interest. Right. But it takes time. It's not, you know, the first touch or the second touch. And, and I even think the third touch is uh, it's pretty early i've seen that uh happening later as well um I, of course i don't know what the middle touches are maybe they're on the website maybe they're on twitter or something like that uh, i think you hinted at previous experience earlier and, and kind of the story that came to my mind and, and you can tell me Lori, if that's what you meant or if i heard it wrong or interpreted it wrong but sometimes people say well i i've driven this many leads and like in a job interview or whatever but what the company doesn't know is the, the situation, right? So if you work for IBM, for example, and IBM has a list or whomever has a big list of you know, potential prospects that are qualified already, I can drive leads too, <laughs> right? <laughs> right, like, right, right. It, it doesn't sound that difficult. Um, so... But how do, and then if you move to a company, right, that doesn't have that list or that doesn't have that brand, how do you even start? And, and the other thing, the other question is, why are people asking those questions, comparing themselves to some big company 
if their situation is very different. Right. I, and, I, and I think that's an excellent question, because even even IBM say, you know, at the end of the day, like, you, you know, people still are, will say, well, what are the costs per lead? Right. And what were the right channels, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, with a company like IBM, I'm sure it's somewhat difficult to take it all apart because the numbers are huge. Right. So if we want to talk about more, you know, series A, series B companies, which is typically where I play. Right. So I've done a lot of uh, branding and launching of companies. Right. So a lot of work that goes into it before you actually do the launch. But then when you do the launch, you talked about it before content. What are you saying, right? What are you saying even pre-customer? Because when you launch, you might not have any customers. And that's when I think it's really important to develop content that speaks to the right personas that you're going after. And that content should, again, be in various channels. It should be on LinkedIn. It should be on Twitter. Maybe Pinterest is the right channel for it. Maybe Medium. Maybe other kind of blogging outlets. But at the end of the day, your website is the hub and you want to drive people back, back to that. Mm -hmm. yep. Absolutely. So earlier you mentioned you want to talk to customers and I, I agree with you. If we don't know what their needs are and we're just kind of guessing. Uh, yeah. uh, and certainly going to trade shows when we have trade shows <laughs> uh, is an idea. Um, have you seen the virtual version? I mean, does that actually work? To, have you ever seen that work anywhere? You're in a Zoom room and you're networking? So, um, or how do you feel about that? Yeah, so uh, honestly, I, I, I've only sat in one um, virtual conference. Um, and it's, it was, it's called Collision. It's a very big kind of marketing mm -hmm. conference. I don't yep. know if you know it. And um, the, I thought they did a fabulous job because they reinvented the, the trade show, they didn't just put it online. So they had virtual networking where you clicked a link and based on your profile, they would, you know, match you up with someone and you had three minutes and a clock counting down to talk to that person. So it was fascinating. It was totally, you know, kind of time-based and then you could go to the next person or the next person. They did have rooms for their sponsors. Um, I didn't actually spend any time in them. And they also... Um, had, um, you know, chat that was running down the side of the presentations so you could connect with people that way. And I thought, and, and the interface was all awesome and it wasn't Zoom. I reached out to them because I thought they did such an amazing job. They developed, as you said at the beginning, if you want something amazing, build it yourself. They built it themselves. And they, and, and, you know, if I had the opportunity to license it, I absolutely would because I thought it was fabulous. Um, and my guess is that their their sponsors got some value out of it because, again, they reimagined the trade show. They didn't just put it online. Of my colleagues that did and they thought they were using kind of awesome software to do it, a lot have been, you know, very disappointed uh, with, uh, with the results, particularly in the sponsor areas of the show. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I'll be honest, uh, I got a little bit of the shivers here, honestly, where you said you can chat on the right side of the presentation. And what I'm visiting, what I'm uh, visualizing here is the, the terrible discussions online that people have when they watch a press conference, uh, the <laughs> governor, you know, talking about COVID, half, half the people love her, half the people hate her, and 
everybody is just uh, kind of rude, quite frankly. Um, I also have not seen any any good platform, so I'd, I'd be interested to find out maybe at some point uh, what that platform is. We we are planning an episode. Uh, I don't remember the platform name right this second without looking it up. Uh, but when I did the Content Tech Summit through the Content Marketing Institute, mm -hmm. whatever platform they used was fantastic because, and here's the reason why, I know speakers won't like it, but um, they had chapters for the talk. So it said introduction. So if I'm like, oh, I know this guy, or I don't really care about who he is, right? I already know the name. Uh, you can skip ahead. I don't care about this mm. topic. You can skip ahead. So for guys like me who are not very linear, linear to begin with, um, that platform is fantastic. So we'll have the CEO of that platform. And if I remember the name, I'll, I'll say it later or, or we'll, we'll say it when we get to that show. Okay. Um, but how, you know, how, how do you get in front of people then? I mean, I'm even yeah. thinking, so now you don't even leave. Uh, then I also think of salespeople who are sometimes very protective of the people. Yep. Um, how do you get in front of them? How do you find them? Yeah, so I think I think that really is having good relationship with sales and product marketing. So in, in one of the projects that I'm doing right now is I'm developing a campaign for them. That is exactly what we're talking about. It's brand driving demand. So it's, and they just rebranded the company. And so one of the things I'm doing is trying to get at the essence. They did a pretty good job at rebranding, but I'm trying to get what's the essence then what's the, what's the message? And then how do we test it against potential customers before we launch it in the wild? And it's a process. You know, they thought this was going to be really quick. We were going to, you know, they were going to, they were going to launch the campaign on September 8th, but now decided to take a step back and do that research. So we're talking to not just internal people in the company, including, you know, they're the key sales guys that are, you know, run regions we're talking to product marketing, and then we're talking to customers and running it by them. And that's the way we're going to get buy-in on the concepts that we're going out with. And so uh, I'm with you. It takes time. But as Andrea Fryer said on the show, every time a CMO starts anywhere, <laughs> an hourglass turns over and the 18 months start ticking. So how... How do you combine those two if it takes time, but I only got 18 months? How do, how do, you, yeah. how do you make it work? <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you the first thing you do. You spend your first two weeks being an SDR or a BDR. You just do it. You know, you because those are the people that are on the line. Those are the people that are talking to customers every day. You, you, you basically either you're on those calls or once you learn something, you're making those calls. And you're really understanding the pain. You're understanding the customer pain and you're under it and you're understanding the sales people's pain so that when you go back, you can actually try to start developing content that's going to speak to the pain and that's going to speak to the persona. And I'm very much agile. You have to be agile. You can't disappear. Even this campaign that I'm talking about, I mean, we're having, you know, constant cadences on messaging, on testing, on messaging and testing. It's not go away for a month, come back and, you know, bless. We're doing it all in real time. And I think when you take a CMO job, you have to do that as well. But get I as think, close to the customer as possible. I, I think the real time thing is something that that's new to some some people and executives, exact, uh, especially. Uh, how much time does it take 
to get a new brand up and running though? What's a, yeah. what's a realistic time? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, the, um, uh, you know, a sports brand, right. That's going to go and, you know, has, you know, mega bucks and it's going to do a whole, a whole rebranding, you know, again, typically I'm working with series a and B companies. And I would say in three months, right. You can put in, you, you can do it. You, that doesn't mean you're out there in the world with it, but you've done your research, you've done your, your calls, you've done your um, competitive analysis You've done a lot of polling and and online surveys to get a bunch. You've talked to analysts. You've gotten all the data to begin looking at the tea leaves and building a story. Within three months, you should be able to do that. Um, when I was at my last company, we relaunched in six months. And that was new name, new brand, new website, new story, new executive team. And took me six months to do that. And we had our first customer um, in a month later, right after we launched. launched. Fantastic. Uh, at the end of the day, six months is still longer <laughs> than just a couple oh, of weeks. Yeah. So just something to keep in mind. Um, if you're one of the executives out there listening and you talk about uh, you, you only want lead gen and no branding, hopefully we changed your mind today. Uh, that you have to build a brand. Uh, it matters. It helps you um, stay in front of people. Today, I was joined by Lori Cohen, blueskybranding.com. Lori, thanks for joining us. Thanks Thank for all you. the insights. Thank you. It was great to be here. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Until next time. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win.